Today was on, and then it was off, and now it's back on. <laughs> I, I uh, thought about it, and I, I, I thought about preaching about Halloween and what is Halloween. And then I kind of went, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And then I went, yeah, and it took me about three weeks to work through this process, but I thought, no, I think I'm going to talk about it. Because, you know, Halloween is a pretty big event. Um, do you realize it's the second largest decor spending holiday? We decorate, we decorate second only to Christmas. And when I looked it up, it didn't say Christmas. It said Yuletide holidays. Yeah, I was, I was in Wendy's. It's interesting. I was in Wendy's. Well, I've been in uh, lots of Wendy's. But anyway, um, I was in one up at Perrysburg, and I was in the one in Bowling Green, I think. Anyway, my goodness. I mean, they went all out for Halloween. I mean, they had spiders and all kinds of funny things hanging all over the place. And I thought, I'm going to watch. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to watch and see how excited they are when it comes to Christmas. To see how they're going to decorate for Christmas. You know, just to see. I'm just curious. Um, there's $6.9 billion spent on Halloween. Isn't that amazing? Now, in perspective, I think it was something like $600 billion for Christmas. That's, you know, that's quite a bit of money. And uh, so, it's pretty big. Um, on total spending, Halloween is the fifth largest holiday. Okay? So, what I want to do today, I want to look at some facts. I want to look at just some history. Um, and, I, you know, and I, I suppose the thing that bothered me about doing this, I don't want to see anybody feel like I'm condemning somebody, you know, like I'm really coming down on somebody for maybe how you feel. You know, everybody has different thoughts and uh, feelings about Halloween. I'm going to share some of the things that I see. And then, you know, um, everybody makes up their own mind. And I don't look at somebody and say, oh, look what they're doing. Everybody makes up their own mind. And that's okay. That's okay. No problem. Um, Halloween is a Celtic festival of the dead. Um, they believed that the spirits of the dead could mingle with, living, with the living more during Halloween than any other time of the year. Um, this group sacrificed animals. They sacrificed animals. They sacrificed fruits and vegetables. They also lit bonfires to honor the dead and to help them on their journey. So that's, you know, some of the some of the background. Christians then came up with something called All Saints Day to try to counteract Halloween. And they came up with this All Saints Day, which was to honor those who've gone before us. Um, it really didn't work, and uh, people continued to celebrate Hallow's Eve, and uh, they celebrated as a time of wandering of the dead. And it's interesting to me, I don't know, I haven't watched the show. Um, the show now, there's a show out called Lucifer. I haven't watched it, so I really can't, I'm not going to say anything about it. I just am intrigued by the name. I saw some previews that intrigued me, but I really didn't have a big desire to watch it. But it's just interesting to me that we would have a TV show now about Lucifer the devil. I just find it interesting. I don't know how they portray him. Maybe he's a really nice guy. I don't know. But um, anyway, um, they do have this show. But, you know, remember in uh, John 10, 10, and I've shared it before, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, Jesus comes to give life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
If you look as an overview at some of the things out there, when evil's portrayed and evil is put before us, what does it usually do? Does it really lift you up and make you feel better? You know? No, it, it's out to kill, steal, and destroy. It's out to put us down. And if you think about it, if you just look at it, I think it's just interesting. If you just, if you just step back and look at a lot of, some of what goes on, not everything, okay? But if you look at some of what goes on, I mean, um, it's pretty depressing. You know, it can be pretty depressing and discouraging if you look at that. There is a, there is a church called the Church of Satan. And I did go to their website, which I did find kind of depressing. I, I told Mary, I looked a while and read some things, and after a while I said, you know, I think I've read about enough. I've read about enough. Um, there is a church called the Church of Satan. They have a website. It was founded in, on April 30th by, in 1966 by Anton LaVey. And it's interesting, this Church of Satan, do they think Halloween is important? Well, they really do. It's their second biggest holiday of the year. Interesting enough, it's a second. You know what the first is? Your birthday. Your birthday. That's the biggest. Halloween's the second. And they say that, here's what they say. I, you can go on their website and read this stuff. I don't necessarily encourage you, but it's there. We see this holiday as the night when the mundane folk try to reach down inside and touch the darkness, which for Satanists is a daily mode of existence. So they say when they see Halloween, they see that it's time when those that don't belong to the church of Satan reach down in themselves and try to try to um, mingle with this whole thought, you know, this touching the darkness, which they do on a daily basis. Um, it says Satanists embrace what this holiday has become. We do not feel the need to be tied to ancient practices. This night we smile at the amateur explorers of their own inner darkness, the amateur explorers of their own inner darkness, for we know that they enjoy their brief dip into the pool of the shadow world. We encourage their fantasies, the candied indulgences, and the wide range of evocation of our aesthetics while tolerating some of their chintzy versions, even if it is but once a year. What the Satanists are saying is, you know, hey, we're in this stuff for real. Now, we see there's a lot of amateurs and people out there trying to dabble in darkness, you know, indulging their candy need, you know, and, and they kind of, what they're doing is saying is they kind of laugh at it a little bit, but they, they think it's good that we, you know, partake a little bit in what they're doing. So that's, that's their take on it. Now, I think it's, hopefully it's obvious, not for maybe all situations, but... For most of us, it's obvious we're not trying to partake in a satanic holiday. You know, I don't think, I don't think that's any intent. Um, I think over the years what happened was he had this holiday of evil and Christians tried to twist it for good and try to put good into it. And I think we're still maybe trying to do that to some extent, you know, to turn it into a, a fun time and a happy time, you know. Kids dress up and go out and collect candy and and bring it home. We were, Mary and I were talking the other day. We ended up going to the zoo with our great-grandson, and uh, the zoo had a thing where you walk around, they'd fill your bucket full of candy. So, you know, he wasn't old enough, so I carried his bucket, and, and uh, I got all this candy. Well, I didn't get it. I made sure I gave it to them, but I thought, you know, he's not even two. Or I don't know. He's around there. I thought, well, he's not going to eat all this candy anyway. You know what I figured out? 
I'm not so sure sometimes the kids care that much. I don't, I'm not sure the kids care all that much, folks. As I watch, I see, and I, you know, I just see a lot of parents that think their kids have to go around and collect all this candy for some strange reason, you know, that they have to get this free candy. And I don't know if the parents feel the need to eat the candy or what's going on, but, but I'm not so sure the kids are all that, like, I mean, obviously my two-year-old grandson, he's, you know, isn't talking yet, so he didn't say, well, let's go get a bunch of candy. Now, kids will never turn down candy, I don't think, but... Uh, but, you know, I think they kind of do, you know, whatever they've kind of been taught or promoted to do. So so I, I'm not so sure the kids really want that much candy. And we could argue about how much good all that candy is. But since it's only once a year, I suppose it's not too bad. Or is it only once a year? I don't know. Um, so, you know, I think basically we see it as a night of fun and a night of, you know, just a fun thing. And so what could be wrong with it? What could be wrong with it? Well, I think the problem, if there is a problem, the problem is when it's tied to a holiday that's honored by Satanists, you know. And we have to be very careful how we promote this, I think, or how we become partakers in this. Um, What happens on Halloween? Well, as I've watched in my short lifespan, it's varied. It's changed a lot. You know, and I'm not, let me share when I was little, you know, a long time ago, I, uh, we went to Lucky and went to my grandma's and, and we went around the town and got our candy. And, uh, you know, it was pretty fun. And then there was a period of time when it seemed to take a real twist. that It, it seemed to get um, a little more troublesome. I remember back a few years ago when Detroit, remember when they had all the trouble with burning houses in Detroit? I think it got up to... Five, six, seven hundred houses on Halloween were burnt. They called it the Devil's Night. I don't know why they called it the Devil's Night. Well, yes, I do. But isn't it interesting? I mean, you know, the world kind of, okay, we're identified this. This is bad. We'll call it the Devil's Night. And I don't know if you're familiar with Detroit, but now you know what they call it now? Right now, they call it Angel's Night. And they've made a concentrated effort to change that whole atmosphere. And they've st- they pretty much... I'm not saying they've stopped all of it, but they've pretty much turned it around by people getting involved. People getting involved, um, patrolling their homes and their neighborhoods and, and basically changing the whole atmosphere. Changing the whole atmosphere. Um, it's interesting to me, um, Holcomb Road. You know, I'm so excited to live on a famous place. Um, it used to be, I mean, when I, let's go way back again. When I grew up, it was Holcomb Road, it was mud. You know, hey, we, we've, we've, our farm butted up against it. You know, I spent a lot of time on Holcomb Road. I went back in that big woods and played when I was a kid. You know, they cleared that woods behind us, the Holcomb Woods. They cleared it with horses. And when I was a little kid, it was really neat to walk back there and look at the, the places where they built uh, um, mills to take out the logs. And they had horses back in there. And I thought that was the neatest thing. So, you know, so all of a sudden it becomes haunted. You know, all of a sudden it's haunted because I, I don't even know. I don't, I know somebody may have died in there or I know somebody died close to the woods. I don't know how that all got connected. And then this bus, somebody dumped a bus. I mean, they just dumped the bus. It had, they, they trashed it. 
They still trash stuff. We had two mattresses and a bunch of tires the other day dumped on Holcomb Woods. But they trashed all kinds. But this bus got dumped. Well, right away it became, oh, there was an accident back there and the driver was killed. And so then the 10 most haunted places in Ohio, Holcomb Woods is in a book. So about 30 years ago, we had people on Holcomb Road all the time. When we first built the church, I would run down and patrol the parking lot. I had license numbers from Tiffin, Van Wert. People came from all over to Holcomb Woods. And there was one Halloween when we went down there when we first built the building. And we sat under the overhang and watched the parking lot. And somebody came into the parking lot while we're sitting there with our lights on and threatened us. I mean, you know, we're sitting there watching our parking lot, and they threatened us, and they wanted us to come out and fight. And I'm like, what? I think Jeff was there with me. <laughs> Jeff, he was younger. And, uh, and I said, no, don't, don't anybody move. And they left, and they came back with another pickup. And there was railroad ties out there, and they had a four-wheel drive truck, and they went out there and, and gunned their truck on the, and flipped the, f- the railroad ties, and they got out. And they started coming towards us. I just, you know, locked the door. Just stay here. And I finally did call the sheriff, and then they left. And uh, over the years then, things started to kind of quiet down. I say, personally, that the atmosphere on Holcomb Road changed. That the church changed the atmosphere. That's my personal opinion. Now, people still tell stories. And when we used to haul the kids on the bus, you'll, hey, stop the bus, turn off your lights, honk the horn three times, and something will happen. You know, like, oh, I was like, come on, give me a break. I said, I've lived and played in these woods. There ain't nothing going to happen. But, you know, I think, again, that it did change. But, you know, there's this, there's this underlying atmosphere. You know, people decorate, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to decorating, but, I think we need to be careful what we promote when we decorate, you know. I think you just need to be careful. Um, seems like there's an awful lot of witches, spiders, and that sort of thing sometimes, you know. And, I, and you know, if you do it, if I go by your house and see a big spider in your house, I'm not going to get upset, okay. But I think we just need to think about what we're promoting, what we're promoting. Um I think, you know, there's a side then that keeps going deeper than that. And most of us would never probably touch into that area. Although, the Bible's clear about some of those things. And I'd like to read from Deuteronomy. I don't have that scripture. Um, I'm going to read it for you from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, the 10th verse. The Lord said, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or anyone who practices witchcraft or fortune-telling, or anyone who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or anyone who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these things, because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So I think this is probably a little more of the extreme, a little more of the extreme. And and let me say this. Everybody has to decide where the lines are. 
Where's your lines? Because if there's a church that supports Satanism, and if the Bible's clear about these things, and if you read some more about the Satanist church, you know, they they really are out to do some some things that aren't good. And I think everybody has to draw a line somewhere. And if you don't, then all of these things that I just read become part of something that's okay. Interestingly enough, I never used to see psychic reader signs on highways close to where I live. I'm sure they were somewhere, but now I don't have to drive very far and I can see psychic readers. I have people who ask me, people actually here in the church, and um, I'm not, but again, people in the church who have asked me, is it okay for me to go see them if they could tell me about what's going to happen in the future? So, so you see, you know, we all draw lines somewhere, but if there's no line, then it's like, well, I saw that person's a psychic reader. Maybe I should ask them about my future. You know, when we were kids, I'd, we didn't have one, but my cousins had one. They had an eight ball. You know, and you ask the ball questions, and the ball would give you answers. Ouija boards, you know. There is nothing in Scripture that tells us we're to contact any other source than God for what's the future, that we trust Him, that we don't go to other sources, we don't look to other places. And so I think we all have to be careful and we have to draw lines somewhere. If we, if we don't draw lines, then anything's okay. If there's nothing that says, well, this is, this is good and this isn't good, what are you going to teach your children? What are you going to teach your children? I think, that's, I think that becomes a very important question. What do we teach our children? One of the interesting things to me is there's an increase of horror movies around Halloween time. You know, they're available. They're out there. You know, people go to horror movies. Some people think they're fun. Some people enjoy horror movies. Um, there's probably people who can go to a horror movie and they just doesn't bother them at all and they just kind of laugh it off. There are other people who go to a horror movie and it can mark them for life. It can mark them for life. In uh, 1 uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 7. First Timothy 1, 7 says... Oops, excuse me, 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, why would we go to a movie to get one? Just a thought. Why would we pay somebody to get a spirit of fear? Something would get inside of us and make us afraid. I was talking to somebody before church about things in our childhood that can mark us. And you know, folks, it, there are things that can mark us that we have to deal with because of something that got inside of us. And if you go to somewhere where they're going to try to scare you to what? To death. They don't scare you to life. Isn't interesting. going to scare you to death. Well, you got to think about, why would I do that? Why would I want to put my kids through that? Why would I think that's funny? When God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so we, we see that there's things that probably we ought to draw lines and we need to avoid. Pretty clear. So what do we do? 
Well, I think it's important to know what we're celebrating, what's going on. That's that was probably my thing. Like, well, I just need to be upfront and talk about this because we need to know what is what is going on. What's this all about? You know, can I innocently celebrate Halloween? My my answer is probably yes, and I don't know if that gives you. Oh, whew, thank goodness. You know, you know, probably, probably. But here's the other side. Once you know something, then you got to make a decision about well, now. What do I do with it? You know. So so yeah, you you can, and and we all have to decide what do we do. One of the things I think you do if you have children, you need to talk to your children and teach your children. You need to, I mean, this is the second biggest holiday in our society, in our culture. You need to talk to your children and talk to them intelligently. Don't say, don't you dare do that. You know, don't just give them the don't do that. Sit down and tell them why. Talk to them intelligently. I think that's one of the worst things you can do to a child is say, don't do that. And they go, why? Well, because I said so. No, you should be able to sit down and talk to your children about it. Explain to them what's going on. There's there's helps out there. Um, a, a fellow by the name of John Muncy used to travel this area. I still he's on Facebook. We still listen to him. He's got some stuff. Um, John Muncy used to. Oh my! We went to a big revival he had in Finley again 35 years ago. But John Muncy he got his stuff. He went and checked us. He went and checked things out. Music, movies, all kinds of stuff. He checked it out. He didn't just throw out, you know, I don't think we should just throw out information and say, well, don't do this because check it out. Check it out. Know what it is. Know what you're, know what you're talking about. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. says, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, and body, that your whole spirit, soul, and body may be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Abstain from every form of evil. I think there's something for the Christian that you can say, well, it's not fair, however you, want to, however you want to interpret this. But I think for the Christian, we have to be very careful about how we partake of things that are evil. You know, and that's a whole broad range of things. But we're to abstain from every form of evil. I think personally, personally, that in a position as a pastor, I even have a higher criteria of what I have to abstain from than you do. Because of people watching and people looking and children, you know, I have to, I just feel like, you know, I have to be very careful because, you know, you, you have a position, people look up to you and if you do something, you know what they're going to say? The first thing they're going to say is, see, they did it. See, it's okay. You know, so I think, I think there's a great responsibility. There's a great responsibility. Parents have responsibility with their children that we have to abstain from every form of evil. You know, we, we, need to, we need to stay away from things that we determine are evil and not try to walk. You know, there's two ways to walk. There's a, big, there's a big canyon here. You can try to get right to the edge 
and walk just as careful as you can so you don't fall in the canyon. You know, and that's the way a lot of people like to walk. You know, well, you know, is it okay if I do this? If is, it, is it okay if, you know, can I get as close as I can without falling in? Or do you get as far away as possible where you know you're safe? You know, there's two ways to walk. Now, I think that's a choice, and I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying you can't walk right on the edge. You know, I'm not saying you can't. I just personally think it's a lot safer to walk back away from the edge. Plus, I think as a witness sometimes, it's even more important that we do that. So it says abstain. Stay, stay as far away from evil as you can. Not how close can we get to it. My last scripture is in Ephesians. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the 11th verse. It says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Everybody decides what that is. You know, everybody decides what is, what is that? You know, and I believe a lot of these things are personal. You know, it's personal. We need to we need to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. It's okay to expose evil. You know, when when you see it and it's evil, you you can say it's evil. One of the things in our society right now is, oh, what do they tell us? Oh, you can't judge. You can't judge. That's a real deception that Satan's put out there. We're to expose what's evil. We're to expose it. We're to say, look, that's evil. That's evil. You know, and, and we, it's okay to do that. It's okay. Now, I don't judge the person, but I can expose the evil. Now, here's the hard part, folks. Sometimes that feels real personal. Sometimes it feels personal. But let me tell you, we can expose evil, but we don't judge people. Okay? So we don't condemn, we don't judge. That's like today. I'm not making any kind of law about Halloween. That's not my job. You know? As a church, we've made some decisions that we don't, as a church, participate, promote as a church. But everybody's free to make their own decisions about how they participate or what they want to do or not do. And then we don't judge. We don't judge. You don't judge one another. You know, you don't, you don't become critical of somebody else. If somebody asks a question, you can give them information you might have or how you feel. It's okay to say, well, this is how I feel, you know. It should be okay that, you know, some people do something, some people don't. It should, that should be okay. You know, we, when, we were, when we were raising our kids, you know, we didn't partake in Halloween. We probably felt maybe, I don't know for sure, I'm not sure, maybe a little stronger than I even do now, maybe in some ways. We didn't send our kids to school on Halloween. You know, we just chose not to. We was never put down for it. You know, nobody, nobody put us down. And I'm not saying you should keep your kids home. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what we did. It was a choice we made. You know, we just didn't participate. And, and so you, you're free to participate or not participate or however you see that, that we don't then judge one another. And nobody should judge me because, well, oh, my goodness, you kept your kids home. How horrible. 
You deprived your kids of the fun of Halloween? Well, that was a choice we made. That was a choice we made. You know, how we, how we felt. And so we, we all make those choices based upon what? Something. God's word. You know? A lot of times, we're, a lot of times we make our choices based upon how we were raised. Well, and you know what, what hurts us sometimes is, well, I don't want to change that because I had so much fun doing that and I want my kids to have fun doing that and it was so much fun. That's a, that's a choice. That's okay. I understand that. But we, we make our choices based on something. How we did it. How we used to do it. This is what my mom and dad always did. You know? Well, guess what? What my mom and dad always did, what I always did, my kids can look at me and say, well, this is what mom and dad always did. Well, that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right. That's what we did. That's true. But it might be right based on hopefully something else. And so we all have to make various decisions. So, so my intent with sharing all this is just to help you, you know, pray about it. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to make any kinds of decisions, but pray about it. Pray about what you should do. And then, and then do it. And be okay with it. Be okay with it. Well, this is what I think God wants me to do. And, and everybody, you know, makes their own decisions. So hopefully, hopefully, nobody feels condemned. Now, you know, there's times when you might hear something, you feel convicted. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. But you might feel convicted. That's different than condemnation. Hopefully you understand that, that we don't feel condemned. You know, we've all done things. We've all done things we shouldn't or, or whatever that might be. Maybe, maybe some of you, maybe some of you went to the point, you know, and growing up and, you know, I talk about eight balls and Ouija boards. I mean, in some times that you don't know what that's all about and kids innocently have got caught up into that, you know. And it can be real innocent, and maybe it had no effect on your life. Maybe it had no effect on your life. But I can tell you some people, it had effect on their life because I've prayed with them about the effect that it had in their life. You know, over the years, I've seen that there is evil out there, and there are things we really do have to deal with, and it's real. And so we all have to just, you know, see it for what it is and then decide what we're going to do about it. So um, I hope I didn't mess anybody's holiday. Um, You know, probably you're like, oh, yeah, right. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you don't have to go home and tear down all your decorations or all the stuff you put up. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying pray about it. See what the Lord would show you. Okay, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you do not condemn us. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. Lord, I thank you that you come to bring life. And you come to bring life more abundantly. So Lord, just help us to follow you. Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, knowing that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for for just your presence with us, Lord. Just encourage us. Lord, guide us. Help us to to just seek you and to know what you want us to do in, in just various aspects of our lives. Lord, I pray if there's anyone that would uh, need prayer this morning and would like someone to pray with them, that you would just encourage them to come up and uh, 
Mary and I are going to be up here today to pray with you. So, Lord, if there's any needs out there that they would like someone to pray with them, I just encourage them to come up and let us pray with them. Lord, we thank you for being with us. Lord, we just ask you to dismiss us now with your blessing. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.